Hello everyone, and welcome to another episode of Much Talk About Nothing, the show where we perpetually quest to find a topic worthy of discussion. I'm your host, Grant Ingram, and joining me to go over news and talk about a filmed version of a small Broadway show is my Florida man friend, Aaron Burr to my Hamilton. It's Grant Skillen. How you doing, Grant? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on. It's great to have you. So, um, since this is your first time on the show, why don't you tell the audience a little bit about yourself? Uh, hello, guys. Uh, as Grant uh, said, my name is Grant Skillen. I am 17. I am going into my senior year of high school. Uh, as he said, I am. I live in Florida. Um, I am the Aaron Burtus Hamilton. And uh, when he offered me to come on this podcast, first thing I thought was I'm not throwing away my shot. So, had to do it. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, that's the perfect segue, because as we promised last week, we're reviewing Hamilton today. But first, I mean, you got to get to that news. Yep, you got to get to the news. This is movie news. So first up, Tron 3 is apparently in development and it's looking for a director with none other than everyone's favorite Joker, Jared Leto, cast in the lead role. So Grant, you got anything to think about that? Um, I mean, I think that'll be interesting. I think Jared Leto is, I think he's a good method actor. So that could be interesting. I think Michael Bay should be the director. I think you're probably right. Yeah. That's a bit of an inside joke. But <laughs> yep, a, a little bit of an inside joke. Um, yeah, I, I think a Michael Bay Tron movie would be great. No, no, no. <laughs> Just no. Please, please don't. Disney, if you're listening, please don't. Well, speaking of Disney, there's a rumor that's claiming that Disney and Lucasfilm are discussing removing the Star Wars sequel trilogy from canon. Um, I don't know about you, I really liked the Star Wars sequel trilogy, so um, what are your thoughts? Um, I mean, I liked The Force Awakens. I thought that was a good movie. I think Ryan Johnson did not do a good job with The Last Jedi and did not give J.J. Abrams a lot to work with. Yeah. I don't know if you have a differing opinion or not, but... I have, I have seen this news. Um, I think they could make it pretty interesting if they choose to go that way. But I don't know. They, they put so much into it. I just don't know if Disney could just try to back away from it in that way. Yeah, you'd almost have to have like another movie that like contradicts the other three. And that's just a $300 million like eraser. Yeah, because so. I believe the theories were that they were going to just say that it was part of an alternate timeline. Yeah, but how do you do that? Like, yeah, I really, yeah, I don't know how you can pull that off, really. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I wasn't a big fan of the Last Jedi. Um, it was all right to me, but um, just wasn't really my thing. And I liked the Force Awakens. I liked Rise of Skywalker. Don't at me. Um, yeah, I liked it. I didn't love Rise of Skywalker, but I think JJ had his plan for how he wanted the trilogy to go. And Ryan Johnson messed it up, and so instead of working on what Ryan Johnson built, he found a way to try to completely get rid of it and continue his plan, which I don't know if that was necessarily the right way to go. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like Disney should have stuck with one director for that one. Um, Say what you will about George Lucas, but at least it was a consistent vision. Yeah. In my humble opinion, if you're getting rid of a trilogy, get rid of the first three. I, I actually well I think if you're gonna get rid of three you have to get rid of the last three because I mean I I personally you can hate me for this I personally like the prequels okay. they're not my favorite obviously but I don't I don't mind the prequels 
Okay. Um, yeah, I've only ever gotten through them once, and all I can say is, to my opinion, is I didn't think it was possible to have Liam Neeson in, in a bad movie. <laughs> and then I watched episode one, and I'm like, good lord, this is awful. And then Jar Jar Banks was there, and apparently that counteracts the Liam Neeson. <laughs> yeah, I, I do think they had uh, George had more planned with Jar Jar, but there was just so much backlash because people hated him that they had to scrap that, and so he just became this useless yeah. slug throughout the whole thing. Yeah, I, I wanted to see Jar Jar Sith Lord with the with the lightsaber. Yes. Just good lord, that'd be funny. Um, Darth Jar Jar. <laughs> yep, Darth Jar Jar. Well. Um, seeing as Liam Neeson is now my connecting thread. He was in Batman Begins. And so my next topic... So HBO Max is getting a Gotham PD crime drama that is spinning off of Matt Reeves' The Batman. The, the new one. And um, I should just say, just because I use Liam Neeson does not mean he's in that. Not, not tying <laughs> myself to any of that. <laughs> you have any thoughts on that? Uh, I'm not really a huge DC guy. Okay. But, I mean, that could be interesting. Okay. I think it also depends on how the Batman movie goes. I, I definitely agree there. Um, I am a big DC guy. Um, so I watched all five seasons of Gotham, which is literally what this is going to be. It's just going to be the first season of Gotham again. And I don't really know why. But um, apparently... You have to think they're banking on the movie to do good if they're already planning to make a drama based off of the movie they must be banking on the movie to do really well yeah well I mean it's a Batman movie let's be honest they're going to make yeah. money but I don't know everything I've seen off of that movie doesn't really look super exciting like I, I just don't know apparently the Batmobile is just like a um, an old Dodge Charger that he souped up and it's not Batman it's just not Batman yeah it's not Batman yeah well Tenuous segue warning again. Um, another Batman connection. Christopher Nolan. His new movie, Tenet, appears to be all set to hit theaters on its August 12th release date. COVID be darned. So, um, you excited for Tenet or Tenet? I, I don't know. Honestly, I've never heard of it. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. Well... I'll let you comment on it because you probably know a lot more about it than I do. I don't know a whole heck of a lot about it because it's a Nolan movie and he does a really good job of not letting anyone know what they're about until you're in the in the theaters. But um, the whole concept of bending time seems really interesting to me. I'll probably check it out opening night. COVID be yeah, darned. If they do if they do it right, I bet that'll be a good movie. But there's also so many ways you can mess it up. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I've yet to see a bad Nolan movie though. Like. He makes good good stuff. They, they're saying it might be like Inception Part 2, and I mean, I'm, I'm there for that. So I guess that's it about Tenet. Um, no segue here, because there's no way I can connect these two things. Scarlett Johansson appears to be passing the Black Widow torch to Florence Pugh in the new Black Widow movie. Um, have you seen anything about this, Grant? Uh, I, I have not. I mean, I would not be surprised about that, especially... Uh... Spoiler alert if you haven't seen um, Endgame yet. Yeah. Um, I'll just go ahead and just wait a second. Spoiler alert. Uh, although if you haven't seen Endgame yet and you care about Marvel, what are you doing? 
That's but that's true. Because I mean, we've spoiler had six alert: months. she's dead. So, right. uh, yep. if they want to, and I think Black Widow is a good character, so if they can find a way to keep the Black Widow character alive, I think this would. I think this could be cool. Yeah, I I definitely agree. Apparently, the um the director has has somewhat confirmed that that's going to be the case, which is kind of sad considering the movie isn't out yet. But it is what it yeah. is. But I think weren't they also planning to release it a couple months ago before all of this started? Yeah, they they definitely were. I think everything was planning to come out a couple of months ago before all this started. But what is yeah. time anymore? On that note, let's move on into the main attraction. Today we're reviewing Alexander Hamilton, the man, the myth, the legend, and the movie slash stage play slash album about him. So Grant, do you have any thoughts at all about this movie? Uh, General thoughts, I think it's great. I watched it a couple times, I'll just say that. Um, Every time I watch it, you always find something new, some little detail when they Miranda threw in there. Yeah. And it's it's great because you can watch it and get new stuff from it every time while still enjoying the best parts of it. Yeah, I, I can agree with that. Um, yeah. So personally, like I, I thought the onstage effects were amazing. Like they, they blew oh, yeah. me away every time. I, the first time I saw it, I couldn't get over how they like used the lighting to create the multiple rooms in Dear Theodosia. Oh yeah, um, that was great. Yeah, yeah. So you can have Hamilton singing and Burr singing, and it's all in, it all feels together but separate. It's just really cool. Yeah, it yeah. looks like they're in different rooms, but they're not. Right, and it like in a movie, it would you would use like a like a fake wall, but that doesn't really work in a play because you block view, and so it, it just yeah. I thought it was really cool. Um, I also thought the costumes were really like perfect. Um, yeah, and, and the way they did it for specific characters. Uh, yeah. Like Hamilton clearly like looks poorer than like uh, Thomas Jefferson does. Yeah, and George Washington does. Right, and Jefferson kind of flaunts his his fashion, and just thought that flawlessly embodied the idea of the story of America then told by America now. Um, did you have any thoughts on like the set design mm-hmm. at all? Um. I'm not good. I, I wasn't paying a huge amount of attention, but I liked how they had the moving stairs that people could stand on. Yeah. Personally. Yeah, I thought that was really cool as well. I also liked the little spinning disc in the middle of the stage that gave you that perspective. Oh, yeah. yeah, because especially in like the tense moments, like the gunfights and that kind of thing, when when these people are fighting, it would spin them around so you can get a view from all angles, which is something you don't usually see in like a, a musical or a Broadway show. Yeah, and they also use it um, when Angelica is kind of rewinding time and satisfied. They use that as a way to like show it rewinding. Yes, um, and I, just, I think that's awesome. Like just everything, yeah. because you can't do it like you could a movie where you just blur the vision a little bit. The practical, the way I used the practical effects was just amazing. Um, yeah. I also thought the few interludes that were necessary were executed perfectly and provided, like, you know, the change of pace from the big action numbers, like um, my shot, to something smaller, like the story of tonight. Do you have anything, like, effects-wise that you thought stood out? Effects-wise, I mean, 
I just like I, mainly it was like you said with um, Dear Theodosia how they make it seem like two separate rooms when it's really not. That's in, that and the uh, turning floor. Those are definitely the two main things. Okay. Yeah, I I agree there. Now, one one little thing that I I thought was kind of cool was the way they did the bullet at the end with the um where the cast members kind of carried it across the room. Um, yeah. Yeah. It just, I thought it was just really neat. Um, now, I gotta ask, did you notice the way they had the microphone set up? I did like, not notice. Was okay. there anything special about it? I thought, so one of the things I noticed is they, they ran them, if, if the character had hair, they would run the microphone up to their forehead with, like, on their hair so it blended in perfectly. You had to, like, really be <laughs> looking to see it. You could only really see it in the close-ups. Now, for Burr and Washington, who were bald, it was just the normal mic. Yeah. But I still thought it was kind of cool and inconspicuous. Yeah, that is definitely cool. Yeah. So, um, you have any, like, other thoughts on the movie section of Hamilton before we get into the music? Yes, I think, specifically, uh, Leslie Odom Jr. playing Aaron Burr, I think that was perfect. Because you can just see throughout the movie how they, how he and Hamilton go from friends to sort of like friendly rivals. And then specifically in the room where it happens, um, Hamilton, and it's specifically right after when he talks about how Hamilton got more than he gave and then Hamilton wanted what he got. Mm-hmm. And then Hamilton goes on and says, when you got skin in the game, you stay in the game. But you don't get a win unless you play in the game. You get love for it, you get hate for it, you get nothing if you wait for it, and then you skip a couple lines. What do you want, Burr? What do you want, Burr? If you stand for nothing, Burr, what will you fall for? And yeah. then that is the turning point where he goes, I want to be in the room where it happens. That's the first time he ever expresses what he wants to do and where he wants to be. Yeah. And then from that point, he then runs and beats Philip Schuyler to take his Senate seat. And then he runs... This isn't said in the movie, but he runs for president in the election of 1796 and gets fourth place. Yeah. And then he ran again in 1800, and after long, uh, there were a bunch of different votes in the House, but then he ended up being vice president to Jefferson. Yep. And Hamilton ruined his ruined his chances at president in 1800. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, this man has poisoned my political pursuits, right? It was... Yeah. In reality, I think there were like 35 ballots in the House, and they still couldn't decide between Jefferson or Burr. And then finally, Hamilton stepped in and endorsed Jefferson, and then Jefferson just got the advantage. Yeah. Now, once once Hamilton endorsed him, I think I believe it was a landslide, like they, like they said. I think he won pretty massively. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's kind of weird the power that man had at that time, and yet I hadn't heard of him until like 2014, 2015, right around the time this musical came out. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, other than just like the specifics, do you have like a letter grade you would give the movie It's it, as a whole? Like, I think it's fantastic. I mean, I'd definitely give it like at least an A, if not an A plus. I mean, I think they just did a great job with everything from the casting to Lin Manuel Miranda writing the play or the musical 
to the stage effects and everything it's just great amen to that yeah i'm um i'm right there with you i'd, I'd give it the a plus probably i'd probably give it just a little bit above an a because i've been a huge fan for years so you know just the hype yeah you've you've listened to the soundtrack a lot more i haven't i didn't really know anything about it until last week when it got released on disney plus that was the first time i really ever heard the music or knew anything about it yeah um i I know a lot of people who were like that i personally i've been listening to the soundtrack since 2016 heard it like 50 some odd times (laughs) to the point where i get annoying so yeah a plus on the movie now um definitely yeah so here we, we separate into the music of Hamilton, which is composed of 46 songs divided into two acts. The first act consisting of his life during the war and the second dealing with life after it. Alexander Hamilton, the first song, I, it serves as an introduction to the musical style and an outline of the story. Um, did you have any thoughts on that one specifically? Um, I... I think it does a great job just introducing him because mm-hmm. um, I know like I've heard of him, but like I didn't really know much about him. And so that does a good job just introducing him with some of the stuff he's done. Right. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. I also liked how they worked in a little bit of his backstory there so they could go ahead and skip through that for the rest of the musical. Yeah. Like John Warren just says the $10 founding father without a father. Yep. And he got a lot farther by working a lot harder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, one of the things that I didn't that I'd heard in the musical didn't realize was true until I read the book. He when he was fourteen, they actually placed him in charge of a trading charter, and that's how he wrote. Oh his wow, book. that is yeah. Wow. <laughs> yep. He was he was a brilliant man. Um. Yeah. I also liked how at the end of the song they kind of set up. They they told you what was coming. So like um, yeah. Burr says, "And me, well, I'm the I'm the fool that shot him." And so, I, I just thought that was like the perfect outline for for the play as a whole. Which is yeah. also why I didn't give a spoiler alert at the beginning of this. <laughs> Let's be honest; they're all dead anyway. So the end of the, the end of the thing, he dies. Yeah, it, it, this this was what over two hundred years ago. Plus, songs came out in twenty sixteen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, if you haven't heard so, it by now, you're not going to hear it. Is how this is going to go. Yeah. Yeah. And I suspect everyone listening either already knows about it or is, wants to hear about it before they watch it. Yep. So. Yeah. So he died of old age. For any of you who want to avoid spoilers, if you if you know what happens, you can correct me yeah. later. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Uh, he definitely didn't throw away a shot. Nope. Definitely did not. Not at all. So um, from there, we, we transfer into Aaron Burr. And as you've said, Aaron Burr is kind of the highlight of this play. Like, yes, I, I think in the soundtrack, not as much, but definitely in the play itself, when you can see Leslie Odom Jr. acting it out and just his facial expressions, yeah, he, I think he steals the show personally. I I definitely agree with that because until I'd seen it, I I didn't know he acted as the narrator. I thought they had another guy, and so as you see it. It's just kind of amazing to watch him be the guy that tells Hamilton's story. Now, the song itself um, it sets up that animosity and the friendly rivalry you were talking about earlier. And it just, they nourish that, you know? Um, you have any thoughts on that one specifically? Yeah, and one thing I want to add, he did not actually punch the bursar. 
Um, that's true. That's a great line, but he unfortunately he did not. He was just kind of in an argument with him. That, yep. I kind of wish he had just so that could be true, but unfortunately it's not. Yep. I don't know why they didn't let him in like first try. Why he had to argue with the guy though? Like you would think he would just uh, be. He didn't have Washington on his side back then. Nope, he did not. He definitely did not. Um, one one further thing I wanted to point out before we moved on was um the way it set them up with the advice that Burr gave to Hamilton in that song with the um talk less. Smile more. Don't let them know what you're against or what you're for. Um, that that's advice that Hamilton really starts to follow in the second act, and it really becomes more important there. And ironically, Berg, you know, s- stops following it in the second act. Um, but it really it ruined his chances with Hamilton. I thought. Um, do you have any thoughts on that specifically? Um, I mean, I agree with you about that. I mean. They, they almost, like you said, they almost kind of switch at the halfway point. Burr starts going after what he wants finally. Yeah. Although he still he still does like hold on to his beliefs, but he he starts to go after offices because, as it says in the room where it happens, he, that's what he wants. That's where he wants to be. And that's the first time he expresses his beliefs. It goes after. Right. Yeah. He he wants to be. He wants to have the and power. He, yeah. yeah, and he wants it so bad that he ends up dueling Hamilton over it. Right. Because yeah. he felt that Hamilton destroyed his honor. Mm-hmm, and, and killed his chances of being in power. He was really kind of a sleazy guy, so you get the feeling. Yeah. Yeah. Can I also say, for Aaron Burser, I do, I do like the fact that Lin-Manuel Miranda snuck in kind of your mom joke with Hercules Mulligan. yeah. I thought that was I thought that was great too. Um, yeah, because that's not something you would expect. No, no, not not out of the founding fathers. Of course, you also yeah. don't expect them drinking Sam Adams in the in the place to be. But also, Lafayette, um, he came over from France because he thought the American Revolution was a worthy cause. He felt he could be of some help. He definitely was of some help. Oh yeah, for sure. He definitely. The Lancelot of the Revolutionary Set. I mean, he came from afar just to say bonsoir. <laughs> yeah. yeah. David, David Diggs does a great job as both Lafayette and Jefferson. Just, that's fantastic. Oh, yeah. He deserves every award you can give him. Like, he's... He, yeah. He's just got such a presence and a, and a showmanship about him. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I guess, I guess from there we transition into um into my shot which is really just like the continuation it it really just kind of flows um before i i say anything do you have any thoughts on that specifically like just that song did you yeah. um i mean i like it and it, it starts how like hamilton doesn't want to throw away a shot and yeah. one thing is i like how it uh, he says i'm gonna give a scholarship to king's college i probably shouldn't brag but dad i amazed and astonished and then his son repeats that once he graduates King College at the beginning of the second act. Yep. Um, yeah, I really, I really like the motifs that this song lays out because um, mm-hmm. it just becomes repetitive. And like you said, the, his son Philip 
said the same thing. But I think it becomes repetitive in a good way. It doesn't get boring. Right. Although I know personally, since I don't know the soundtrack as well, sometimes you get into a song, like a lot of Aaron Burr's songs start the same way, and so you don't know what's... Sometimes I don't know what's coming. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, they're all kind of reprises of the, the, the past songs. I, yeah, but it's it's so good that you can't really blame them for it. Oh no, no! Like w- once you get that that melody, you stick with it, and you as many songs as he wants to make. I'm here for. I liked how, kind of like you said, with the the way he didn't throw away his shot was how it presented his legacy conscious mind really early with the um. Don't be shocked when your history books mention me. I will lay down my life if it sets us free. Eventually, you'll see my ascendancy. Who's your favorite character? I'm a really big fan of um, Lafayette. Um, what about you? Um, I'm personally a King George guy myself. Okay, I, I see that. I just like how his songs are, and just like, just I think Jonathan Groff is fantastic. Yeah, yeah, he's he's really good, and um, yeah, he was he really kind of stole the show in the movie. Like he had the whole yeah. Yeah. And one thing I have in my notes is I love how they have him do the intro. And he's like, and please enjoy my show. Uh, yeah, he he definitely stole the he definitely stole the show then. Might as well steal it now. Yeah. And uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda wrote You'll Be Back on his honeymoon, actually. Okay. I wow. believe he has, I don't have the name of the dude, but he has a friend who's a British actor. And he told him how he wanted to include King George in the uh, musical. And his friend was like, oh, you'll be back. <laughs> and that's how he got the inspiration for the name of it. I didn't know that. That is amazing. Um, did you know that he got the, the whoa-oh type thing from my shot from a um, from the AOL dial-up ring? Like, Oh. Yeah, that, that was something that came out, I guess, a couple of days ago where he, where he was saying like the, just the cadence matched that and that he was wanting it to feel like Hamilton was connecting with the world. And so it was the internet. Hmm. Random. But yeah, that's very random. I mean, it worked. It um, definitely did work. Yeah. Another thing I saw in that interview is in order to show Hamilton's brilliance, he summarizes all of his friends' goals in a couplet. So um, Mulligan's a tailor who feels a lack of purpose, and Lawrence is drinking in the place to be, so he's lonely, and Lafayette's a rebel. So Hamilton goes, I think your pants look hot. hot. Lawrence, I like you a lot. Let's hatch a plot blacker than the kettle call in the pot, effectively appeasing them all in one sentence. I mean, it's just kind of brilliant, the way it all kind of meshed together. Um, Yeah. Apparently, Miranda also used lines from like formative rappers um, to show that Hamilton is is the future. He's he's two hundred years ahead of everybody else. Um, so, like yeah. the I'm nineteen, but my mind is older kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. And then the last thing that he said, and this is an interview I just thought was really interesting and wanted to kind of touch on. Um, was everyone else raps in like a, a pre-Rakeem rhyme scheme, whereas Hamilton literally wraps circles around them using the um like the the double rhyme where he he rhymes the first part of the sentence and the middle part and that kind of thing. And I just thought that was cool. Yeah, he doesn't just rhyme at the end of the sentence like a lot of them do. Right, and like you, if you're looking through the the lyrics on a lot of the songs, you can see who's speaking just by knowing that, and it's yeah, yeah, it's brilliant. Brilliant. 
So, um, what are your favorite songs from it? So, uh, obviously, I like the Keen George songs. All right. I just think those are all hilarious. Besides that, I like uh, Right Hand Man when they introduced George Washington. Yes. Yeah. Let's see. Uh, I like Ten Dual Commandments. That is a great song. <laughs> yeah, and that's I've not listened to it, but that's based off of a song called Ten Crack Commandments. I did not know that. I'm going to go listen as soon as we're done here. Right, um, it's, and like the count up is almost the same, except this is actually musical. The other one's not. Okay. I've I've not listened to it, but I'd kind of be interested to just see how he got that. Yeah. Also, like Guns and Ships, and hearing Lafayette rap very fast. Yes, while staying in that French accent. Yes. Yeah. Again, Debbie did amazing. Yeah, and then uh, you could probably guess this from me liking Aaron Burr's progression. My favorite song, it has to be The Room Where It Happens. I can I can definitely get behind that as well. Uh, I like how it says, no one really knows how the game is played, the art of the trade, how the sausage gets made, which no, <laughs> not that many people probably know how the sausage actually gets made. Yeah. I also like later on uh, where it goes, no one really knows how the parties get to yes, the pieces that are sacrificed in every game of chess. Yep. Just how he rhymes those in stuff that, like, obviously people, like, you don't think about, like, how sausage is made, or you don't think about how many different ways a game of chess can go. Right. But then you kind of start thinking about it, like, oh, there's a lot of different ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I also like when they show up to Hamilton and they're accusing him of treason and stealing money. And then at the very end, um, he is like, as you can see, I've done nothing to real legal action or my answers to your satisfaction. Jeff is just like, my gosh. Yeah. Just throws his hands out. This is so much worse than we thought it was. Yeah. yeah it's like, it's like, no, you didn't commit treason, but <laughs> you, you kind of did something else. Yeah. And that leads into hurricane, which is, um, probably my favorite one of my favorite songs off of this thing yeah i'm interested i'm I, for me i don't see a huge reason why it needs to be there but i'm interested to see your view and why you like it okay so the whole point of hurricane in my perspective is for him to explain how he feels like them coming after him is like the storm that destroyed his town when he was younger and how um how he couldn't you know, he couldn't seem to get out of it the easy way then, which would be death. Like he, he said, when I was 17, a hurricane destroyed my town. I didn't drown. I couldn't seem to die. And then and then he goes, um, I wrote my way out. And so, because that's what he did. Like um, he, he wrote these pamphlets and they, the people in his town realized he was smart enough to be a doctor. And so they, um, they paid for his, his voyage on a ship to New York to learn to be a doctor with the idea that he might come back. Um, obviously he never did, but so the whole idea being that this metaphorical storm that Jefferson and Burr and Madison were creating around him of these, um, of these documents that they have, um, he had to write his way out. He had to get in front of it and, and somehow tell everybody it wasn't what it seemed by explaining to everybody it was exactly what it seemed. So in the, in the musical, they make it seem like, uh, Jefferson and Madison and Burr, the ones that confronted him. In real life, he was confronted by James Monroe. And Monroe was not as like... Because in the musical, they're like, okay, yeah, we're not going to really say anything about it. But Monroe was ready to 
pounce on him and get him in the paper, get him, get his career ruined. And yeah. so Hamilton had to get in front of him. And so I think in the musical, they almost make the Reynolds pamphlet seem like he chose to write it. Right. But in reality, he wrote it because he needed to, because he needed to get ahead of Monroe taking him out. Right, or he would have lost his whole career. Yeah, which obviously he was going to either way, because that was that was eventually going to get out one way or another. Right, and back then it was a much bigger deal than it is now. Um, and so it, yeah. it, it literally... They even say in the musical, well, he's never going to be president now. Um, yeah, and one thing in my notes, so I I don't know how I managed to miss this. But I somehow managed on a couple of my watch throughs to miss King George in there. Yeah. When they're throwing the papers, he never gonna be president now. King George is standing there tossing papers too. Yeah. I have no idea how I managed to miss that. I didn't see that either. I I, I guess watch through number three. I'll have to I'll have to look for it. <laughs> yeah. But I just like King George and all the little stuff he does. Like when he's and I know him. He's about John Adams. That's that little guy who spoke to me. You can kind of see him put his hand at his hip like he's a short little guy. Yeah. I think uh, John Adams was 5'7", so he kind of was small. Right. He was he was the same size as Napoleon was, and we characterize him as tiny. So. Yeah. And also, like, uh, I also somehow didn't notice this, King George sitting off on the side for the first little bit of Adams' administration. Really? They're sitting over there dancing. Yeah, I don't know... I, I don't know how I managed to miss that, too. Yeah, that was... So, was that planned? Is that planned, or is that just something Jonathan Groff did? Because it almost looks like Leslie Odom Jr. turned and was a little surprised when he saw it. I don't know. I, I'd be curious to find that out. It, it, I thought it was hilarious. Like, you can hear the audience just start cracking yeah. up because he's just <laughs> dancing. It's hilarious. Gosh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jefferson in Washington on your side. Um, he says, um, I get no satisfaction watching or witnessing his fits of passion, the way he primps and preens and dresses like the pits of fashion. Yeah. So he goes from fits of passion, rhyming it with pits of fashion. Yeah. I think that's a little genius thing Manuel Miranda put in there. I didn't realize that. And I like that. the little is... details like that. Yeah. Yeah, that is that is crazy because it's just, a, just one letter, but... And also, like, during the first cabinet battle, when he goes, I believe it was the first, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, we fought for these ideals, we shouldn't settle for less. These are wise words, enterprising men quote them. Don't act surprised, you guys, because I wrote them. Yeah. That's just him kind of like, hey, uh, who was that that uh, wrote the declaration again? All right, me. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's just like the um, look at look back at the Bill of Rights and then Madison, which I wrote. Yeah. yeah, George Washington. One thing that they included, and in, at the very end, when Eliza is talking about her uh, doing work against slavery and fighting it, he, so Washington, when he died in his will, he made it so that when his wife died, all of his slaves were freed, right. and they got his last name, and he paid for their education. Right. He he did what but he could. In, he he did what he could. And I don't know that he could have really done much more at that time. But you can also see uh, when Eliza's is talking about it, how he's kind of sitting there and he starts reflecting. I know I mentioned this to you before and you didn't notice it the first time. Right. But he's kind of reflecting on, could I have really done more? Yeah, he like half frowns and nods a little bit. And you can, yeah. Right, right yeah. as she says, um, 
you could have done so much more if you only had time. It's almost like she's saying that about both Washington and Hamilton. Yeah. The difference is Washington had so much more time. Like Hamilton died at either 47 or 49, depending on who you believe about his birth. But Washington was 20, 25 years older. Yeah, he was he was getting up there, especially for that time when they didn't have as much medicine as they do now. Right. Yeah. Like we said earlier, they're all dead now, right? <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um. Spoiler alert: George Washington is no longer alive. Uh, whoa! This... What? Yeah. Yeah. So you mentioned the cabinet battles. You want to talk about those for just a just a brief minute? Because I don't know. I thought we should probably pay tribute to the. The to the glory yeah. yeah those those there's just so much like what i got with jefferson was the uh, talking about what he wrote in the declaration that's just a little bit of all the greatness in those cabinet battles right um i also like when uh hamilton makes fun of um jefferson uh when he says thomas that was a real nice declaration welcome to the president we're running the real nation would you like to join us or stay mellow doing whatever the heck it is you do in Monticello? <laughs> yeah. I just thought that was so great when he starts making fun of his song from just before that. Yeah, seriously. Um, I also like it where he says, um, you think I'm frightened of you, man? We almost died in a trench while you were off getting high with the French. Just That is also great. Yeah, it's like an Eminem rap battle from um from like Eight Mile. And one thing I want to go back to Guns and Ships. I just like how he, he uh, Lafayette goes. I go to France for more fun. I come back with more guns and ships. ships. And so the balance shifts. Yep. All in that French accent, which he perfected. It's so great. Yeah. Oh, I actually have uh. There, this was one thing I was waiting to tell you. I've actually met the guy who plays uh, Lafayette and Jefferson in Chicago. What? He went to school. So my cousin, uh, she married a guy who went to a school called Macaulay in Tennessee. And the guy that played Lafayette and Jefferson went there at the same time and they're friends. Wow. And so at, we went to uh, her wedding and we got to meet him. That is amazing. Yeah. Wow. And... I didn't know really anything about this was probably back in 2018 I think this was about two years ago and I didn't really know much about um, Hamilton but after going back I have some videos of him from the wedding and I can definitely see him playing Jefferson and Lafayette because he just has that swagger wow that, that's amazing gosh yeah wow you're you're connected in a little bit <laughs> yeah I wish I could have seen it live Although I do think they do. So when they recorded it for Disney Plus, or they didn't record it specifically for that, obviously. Right. But when they recorded it, they did two, I believe it was two live shows, and then they did one without an audience so they could get the close-ups. Right. And I feel like the, with, with them able to get the close-ups, they're able to get close-ups on scenes that you wouldn't be able to get as easily a lot, I think. Yeah. So I think in some ways this might be a bit better. Like in some ways it's better than live. In some ways it's worse. Right. Miranda said it's like giving everybody the, the better than the best seat in the house. But at the same time, yeah. you, you lose the electricity that has to be flowing through that auditorium. Oh, yeah. that I, I wish I could have been to that. Yeah. 
of course, at the time, tickets were like three grand to pop, and so yeah, I, yeah, not not worth the three grand, but still, you you gotta wish you could you could pop in and see that. Um, yeah, you you mentioned it was recorded three separate days. Um, I saw where they recorded it like the month before everybody left. They recorded it in June, in that July, everybody, the original cast was pretty much yeah. all gone. Yeah, and Jonathan Groff was actually gone by then, but they but he came back just to record just for the recording. Really? Huh? Yeah. And the guy who was playing King George was like, if he's like, have him come back, like he needs to be doing King George, and that was definitely the right choice. Oh yeah, like I, I couldn't see it any other way. It's like the perfect the perfect mix, like yeah, all his from the British accent to the American accent, everything just is perfect. Yeah, awesome! Wow. Yeah, you have any other songs you wanted to touch on before we we hit the end? Satisfied because I know uh, my girlfriend will be mad if I don't mention it. That's her favorite song. Okay. Um, for me, there's some songs like Satisfied's one. If I'm listening to the soundtrack, that's not one that I'm a huge fan of. But like watching it, it's great. Yeah, I think for me, the, that song is probably um. Well, I think it's probably we know because I I get what you're saying. Like it's that same. Eh, it's just not as good if you're not watching. Yeah, it's not bad, but it just doesn't have the same effect as it does when you're watching it right um now when you're watching it though it's so great I just yeah and I also love take a break and towards kind of towards the end when it's Eliza and Angelica singing together that sounds so good it does like they can sing yeah good lord they can sing um we could go on about pretty much every song in the soundtrack they're all fantastic oh yeah yeah all day like if i had a week we would still be here and i would probably still be rambling but now you mentioned satisfied one of the things i thought was really cool was how um right after the um the reynolds pamphlet um i guess in burn when angelica comes back she she told hamilton um you could never be satisfied god i hope you're satisfied um, I just thought that was that was really great. Um, I guess the last one I would want to talk about was "Blow Us All Away." Um, all right. Just because it was, it kind of foreshadows the end. Um, do you have any thoughts about um, Philip or just that song in general? Um, I mean, I like how they kind of, well, obviously, how Lynn made it seem like, like, he wrote it, like, for Hamilton, like, Hamilton would be rapping it. Right. And he even, like I mentioned earlier, I probably shouldn't brag, but Dag, I amazed and astonished, taken straight from Hamilton, when he is young, probably, I think they were both 19. Right. Yep. Yeah, because he says, I'm only 19, but my mind is older, that's also something else he says. Yeah. By all historical record, they were very similar people at that age. Um, they they make it seem like, it, especially when uh, 
probably shouldn't brag, but dag, I'm amazed and astonished. The scholars say I got the same virtuosity and brains as my pops. The ladies say my brain's not where the resemblance stops. Yeah. Oh. They really captured his um his charm in that song. And then, you know, he, he dies by duel, but Hamilton tells him to to throw away a shot, which marks a change for Hamilton from his mm-hmm. not throwing away your shot to your mother can't take this heartbreak, which ironically created more heartbreak. But <laughs> Yeah, you have to wonder, like, what was he thinking with that? Because the heartbreak would... Because the question is, would Philip have been like... Was he thinking Philip would shoot the dude, kill him, and then he'd be arrested um, and tried for it? I don't know. I don't think it was really a crime back then. I think dueling was fairly common. Um, I think it was one of those crime, and I'm doing air quotations. Like, yeah. Yes, you shouldn't shoot, shoot someone, but it's a duel. And back then, they were general, like the vice president shot a dude and didn't get tried for it. Yeah, he he kind of fled. Um, ended up getting captured in Lower Alabama, but not for that at all. I think the heartbreak was more from knowing your son killed a person. Um, I know yeah. I'd be a little disappointed, but um, yeah. I'd also be disappointed in you if you had a son right now. That is true. Cause, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hypothetical son. I think it was hilarious when Burr was hitting on Angelica. So one thing that, and Lin-Manuel Miranda has said that he forgot this. I don't know how he managed to forget this as he was writing. But uh, Angelica was already married when she met Hamilton. That's true. Yeah. And they, they, they're definitely, she also had some brothers, so... It wasn't like they portrayed in the movie where she had to uh, social climb for his son, as she says. Yeah. Um, but I think until years when Burr was hitting on Angelica, that Angelica was like offended. But in reality, Burr was like a hardcore feminist because like he taught his like he taught his daughter Theodosia how to read when she was three, and yeah. that was very uncommon back then. It it was. Um, I think also he was looking at like sending on his legacy because his grandfather um, his grandfather was very wealthy I don't remember exactly what he did but I remember him being a very prominent wealthy person um, and so he had he even mentions it in one of his songs where he had a, a legacy to protect wait for it yeah yeah. Um, and so I think that was kind of the point of his carrying on uh, through his daughter um, which also was a really interesting um, I guess plot point, but also like story point. Burr's illegitimate daughter with a British officer's wife. It was, and, um, and also like like the vulnerability that he has while he's singing about both Theodosias, and that's just a whole different side of him that you don't you don't expect to see that side really out of the villain. Yeah, he's very much the villain, but he's also very much almost not because he's just trying to be himself and he's trying to chase after his political dreams right and he's not like the typical villain yeah. whatsoever and that's why like at the end he says I'm the villain in your history books or now like now I'm the villain in your history books because he didn't realize that the world was like he says later on that the world is wide enough for both Hamilton and me aka Burr yeah Burr like as of recent history has seemed to be becoming more 
virtuous than he is portrayed here. So like um I yeah. mentioned I mentioned he was captured in South Alabama. They captured him because a Missouri general had said he was forming his own army. But apparently that Missouri general was a double agent for the Spanish who was breaking so many laws and he sent them after Burr to cover his own trail. Um so Burr might not have been as bad as we thought. He still killed Hamilton, but he might not have been as bad as we thought. He obviously wasn't great. I mean I know duels were still common, but he still Shot a guy. Killed Hamilton. Yeah. yeah. And I just I just like how like the world is wide enough how it starts. There are ten things you need to know. And just how like Burr I don't I don't think Burr truly intended to kill Hamilton until they got there and he saw and it looked like Hamilton was there to kill him. Right. Cause then he says, I had only one thought before the slaughter, this man will not make an orphan of my daughter. Yeah. And that's a really powerful line. Like, it's just... Yeah. It's sad. It's it's like he's not... Yeah, it's like he's not doing it for himself. He's doing it because he loves his daughter. And right. once he... Once he come, and eventually he realizes that Hamilton... I don't, I don't think Hamilton ever intended to shoot him. But you can also see how he can come to that conclusion based off of Hamilton examining the terrain, wearing his glasses methodically, uh, fiddling with the triggers, he says. Yeah. And just everything. It all points to it looks like Hamilton's gonna kill him. Right. And so he makes the business decision that it's time to take this guy out. Yeah. And at that point the hatred has built up to in him to the point where he's like, Alright, I have to do this. There's no other way I can like this has to happen. Right. There it it's either him or me. Um mm-hmm. Right. What she says. He does. I also really liked um, how as soon as they said fire, the bullet, like I said earlier, started traveling across. But Hamilton went into his his kind of monologue that it started off in my shot about death. But it was different this time. It was like he knew he was about to die. And um, yeah. And then he and then you have like George Washington and all of them around him and um, in this ethereal plane. So they say he aims his pistol at the sky and Burr yells, wait. And that's the first time throughout this whole thing that Burr didn't wait for it. Um, he had yeah, a song. he didn't wait for it, wait for it. Yeah. And it was also the first time that Hamilton threw away his shot. And so I thought that was a really cool way of like flipping the motif in a fatal way. Where instead of yeah. Hamilton being the guy pulling the trigger, it was Burr. I also like uh, in my shot they predict it because he's talking about death and he says is it beat is it like the beat without a melody and mm-hmm. then then that happens and then also if I see it coming do I run or let it be and he just he lets it be he does and that that's something he said in this reprise where um I see it coming do I run or fire my gun or let it be there is no beat no melody Burr, my first friend, my enemy, maybe the last face I ever see. If I throw away my shot, is this how you'll remember me? And it just ties everything together in that one song. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I also like, um, I'm not sure which song it's technically under. Uh, maybe under, uh, it's under Who Lives, Who Dies, He Tells Your Story. Yes, it is. President Jefferson talks about, I'll give him this. His financial system is a work of genius. I couldn't do it if, I couldn't undo it if I tried. And I tried. And then Madison talks about how he took our country from bankruptcy to prosperity. I hate to admit it, but he doesn't get enough credit for all the credit he gave us. Yep. 
So they realized, even though they disagreed with what he was doing, eventually they realized that he did what they needed at the time. Right. At the time, they needed to do that so that they could get in the prosperity and help begin to build the nation. He definitely foresaw what was coming down the pipe more than anybody else at the time. Now, something I thought was interesting, because Madison was kind of the enemy throughout this whole second act, they did write the Federalist Papers together, and they were good friends yeah. until um, well, until they were both on the cabinet. Wasn't he the fourth president? Wasn't it Washington, Adams, Jefferson, Madison? Yep, and then Monroe. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so, yeah, you're right. Um, Madison was just a senator. So Madison was a senator, um, which I guess is why he was able to get the votes for Hamilton when when he needed yeah. the votes. And I, I just like that whole part, how they go through Burr and Hamilton's conversation, and then they go through Jefferson and Madison's conversation. Yep. I, It's just so well written. Like, all of it is. Yeah, it's... just, like, everything. And the fact, like, it's over 20,000 words. Like, there... And, and I saw, I was watching someone review, and they're like, the first time people saw it, they're like, okay, 15 minutes in, this is cool. There's no way they can keep this up. Like, it's 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 on Broadway. It's a musical. There's no way they can keep this hip hop up, but they keep it up, and it's almost the entire movie can be heard in the soundtrack. There's it's a two and a half hour musical, and the soundtrack's like two hours and twenty three minutes. Yep. Um, yeah. it's incredible. It it is absolutely astonishing. The only thing I can say that wasn't in the soundtrack that was important was the um, the death of John Lawrence. Um, yeah. I didn't realize he had died until I watched the movie. I just thought he disappeared. But um, other than that, you're absolutely right. It, it's everything important. You, you get the whole idea through the soundtrack. I kind of hope they make a feature yeah. film about it, to be honest. Yeah, that was one thing I wanted to bring up, too. You have to think they're going to uh, make a movie out of it, because... It is so big, and it has been since it came out, and Disney Disney bought it. Right. There is – it's – they almost have to make a movie out of it. It would almost be a bad decision not to make the movie. Yeah. And so one thing I wanted to see uh, – Graham and I, Graham's my brother, for people who don't know, we were listening to – it was a podcast about Hamilton, and they were talking about this, and they were like, who would Lin-Manuel Miranda play if they made a movie? Just would he still be Hamilton – or would, or would he want someone else to have the spotlight since he already had it? And would he just want to play, like, a small role? I think you have to give him the role of Hamilton back there. Like, if you can get the whole cast, you get the whole cast and just make the movie. Yeah, but I also think if you make a movie, you have to make, like, Lafayette and Jefferson different people. That's true. And then you have to make, uh, obviously you have to make John Lawrence and Philip Hamilton different people. Especially nine-year-old Philip. Nine-year-old Philip was a little weird, yeah. Um, yeah. I think they'll probably end up making a feature just because um, Miranda's other musical, In the Heights, has a feature film coming out next year, um, mm-hmm. which I found out about today doing a little bit of research. Fun fact, the guy that plays Philip Hamilton and um, John Lawrence is the lead in that movie. Um, he's very talented. And he's, he's, he's young, too. Yep. He is very, he's very much both. I could see him playing Hamilton in a feature. Like, he looks the part. 
he he definitely does look the part. Is I wonder like if they're gonna make a movie. I wonder like Chris Lee is the guy who played Lafayette and Jefferson in Chicago. So I wonder yeah. if they would do like the V Diggs for let's just say they do him for Jefferson and then they do Chris Lee for Lafayette. Right. That way they have someone who already knows it. Yeah, I could I could definitely see that. That that would definitely be really good too. Another uh, fact that I've seen, and this was also on Wikipedia, so <laughs> maybe take it with a grain of salt, but it was uh, Aaron Burt, according to Wikipedia, actually dueled Angelica's husband. Yep, it's true. And they both missed. And what made me think of that is uh, they actually, uh, Alex and Eliza named one of their kids after him. Um, His name was John Church. John Church Hamilton. I thought it was funny that Burr also dueled Angelica's husband. And that was over, I think he believed that Burr had taken bribes to change, like, his political views. Yeah. If I'm not um, mistaken. I believe, I believe you're right, which wouldn't surprise me from Burr. He was, yeah. He, as we said earlier, he was sleazy. And um, he was willing to do, like, obviously him switching. Was he a Federalist before he became a Democratic Republican? I don't know. It would definitely be interesting. Wikipedia just lists him as a Democratic Republican. I, I, but I mean, it's Wikipedia, so. Yeah, I, I think I went, he might have been independent. That would make sense for Burr. Um, yeah, because that way he's not really attaching himself to a party until he sees the opportunity to advance right. by becoming a Democratic Republican. And then yeah. I believe he just stays a Democrat or Republican after that. Right. And, yeah, that, that would definitely make sense because, well, I guess he would have been running against um, Jefferson and his own party, but still. Moving into final thoughts on the soundtrack, what what would be a letter grade that you gave it? Uh, I think I'm also going to have to go with an A+. Just, just the music, even though, like, they reuse a lot of the music in the background, it's still great. Mm-hmm. And just the lyrics just throughout the song you can just go through i bet every time you listen to a song you can find another new thing that lin-manuel miranda threw. it's just beautiful absolutely and i'm i'm right there with you a plus all the way around um there's a lot of it that you don't realize is there unless you know what you're looking for um yeah, yeah. And there's a lot of stuff that they like it's little motions that they do in the movie that you can't get in the soundtrack. Like, King George does a couple of stuff, like I mentioned earlier, where he kind of puts his hand at his hip when saying little guy, when referring to John Adams. But yeah. he also does, there's no one else in their country who wins quite as large, and he's doing air quotes. Yeah. Country. It's just, it's so good. It's so good. So good. Yeah. Stop, stop resisting. Watch it. It's very good. Yes. So if people are looking to find you, where can they do that at? Uh, they can find me. I have an Instagram, which is at grant.skillin. Skillin is spelled S-K-I-L-L-I-N. Um, unlike Ethan, I am not in a band. So I uh, can't find me there. So if you want to reach me, just follow me on Instagram at grant.skillin. All right. If you want to interact with the show, our email is muchtalkaboutnothing at gmail.com. And we have a voice message line in the description. For other Grant, I've been Grant, and thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.